welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Rappin. I'm going to ask that y'all bear with me today. I had some issues with my voice over the weekend, so I'll be reading a little slower and a little lower. I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. As much as we call for and work to implement new gun laws and better so-called safety measures in our society, encourage mental awareness support and therapy for individuals and families, as much as we may strive to diffuse the flames of warring factions and spread peace and love throughout our communities and the world. None of it will bring to mankind the permanent solutions we hope for until individuals choose to activate the true love and life of their own mighty I am presence. And I know that I make that statement often, y'all, but it's real and it's the truth. Now, most often, the guns do not fire without the aid of a trigger finger. Therefore, thought goes into usually hate and rage. However, varying circumstances affect the minds of men, women, and children. And we never know what others may be experiencing to affect their thinking or what their so-called triggers may be. This is not to say that those efforts are not worthwhile. Of course they are, and they should continue. The world needs all the divine service bestowed upon one from the other that is possible. But the atmosphere is chaotic at this time, seemingly more than usual because of the darkness, demons, and delusions that are stirred up in the earth. And there is a real battle, y'all, going on for control of the minds and souls of mankind. Bonafide only the love and light of the spirit of the living God within us can conquer. And that victory starts with each and every individual acknowledging and utilizing our own inner power and calling forth the power of the living God within us to positively affect our outer conditions. For remember, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not common, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Believe that. Amen. Give thanks and praise love and life and y'all be loved all disputes about the nature of Christ only prove that the disputants are not Christians because if they were true followers of the Christ they would have the living Christ within themselves and know his true nature
The misunderstandings of the Christians regarding the Christ arise from the fact that they regard him as something external and incompatible with human nature, neither will any merely theoretical research regarding this mystery lead to any satisfactory result. The only way in which this matter can be settled for once and forever is that those who have doubts about the divinity of Christ succeed in raising him from his tomb within their own souls, when he will become revealed to them. Each one desires to be a child of God in his knowledge, and nevertheless disobedience and unfaithfulness are as great in one people as they are in another. A belief that Christ has once been born and died for me and arisen from death does not make me a child of God. The devil knows that also, but it is of no use to him. I must clothe myself in Christ by means of the desire of faith, I must enter myself into his obedience, his incarnation, his suffering and death, I must myself arise in him and adopt the obedience of Christ. Only in this way can I be a Christian, and not in any other way. Mysterium In considering the contents of the following chapter, it will be especially recommendable to keep in mind the great occult maxim, that it is below as it is above, and that everything above has its corresponding part below so that the great processes taking place in the macrocosm produce corresponding processes on the microcosmic plane, and that which exists eternally in heaven, the spiritual plane, seeks to be embodied and represented in terrestrial forms upon the earth. It is also well to remember that completion is attained only by the reappearance of the third principle in the seventh, that is to say, by the spiritualization of matter and the acquisition of form. A being or power belonging to an entirely ideal plane cannot produce any direct reaction in the grossly material state of existence, no more than a tree can grow out of the idea of a tree existing within the mind, but it needs a material seed or kernel to serve as a material focus for the attraction and distribution of material principles. For similar reasons it was necessary that the Logos should actually become flesh and enter the human state so as to produce a fundamental and radical change in the will of humanity, by starting a new activity of light and love in its very center or heart. Christ did not become human merely within the Virgin Mary, but also in an unlimited celestial manner. While Christ lived upon the earth, his external form was limited like our own bodies, but the internal man was immeasurable. Three Principles the word has become humanity everywhere, that is to say, everywhere became unfolded the divine substantiality wherein our eternal humanity exists. We ought to exist in the same corporeal substantiality in eternity, wherein exists the Virgin of God, and we must clothe ourselves with the Virgin, for Christ has clothed himself with her. Menschwerding The whole angelic world is the substantiality of Christ according to his celestial essentiality, created in regard to the personality of humanity but outside of it is untreated and eternal. Letters The celestial and unlimited corporeity of our Redeemer is incomprehensible to the reasoning intellect, but it is nevertheless logical to accept it, because in Christ, the infinite God became man. Reason says, the body of Christ is in one place, how then can it be everywhere? It is a creature, and one creature cannot be in every place at once. But listen, dear reason. When the Word of God became a human being in the body of Mary, was it then not also, at the same time, high above the stars? While it was at Nazareth was it then not also at Jerusalem and everywhere? Or do you think that God, while he became a man, had been confined to his human form? This is an impossibility, and thus, while God became man, his humanity was everywhere where his divinity existed. Three Principles Christ has not become man solely in the body of the terrestrial Virgin Mary, in that sense, as if his divinity or divine essentiality had been captured, imprisoned, or seated therein. As little as God, 
who is the fullness of all things, resides in one place alone, so little has God moved in only one small portion of the word, for he is not differentiated, but everywhere one in a whole, and wherever he becomes manifest there he is manifest as a whole. Neither is God measurable, and there has no place of residence been discovered in him, unless he should establish for himself such a dwelling in one of his creatures, but even then, he remains a whole apart from and beyond such a created being. Menschwerding In this respect Christ may be likened to the Son, who is also immeasurable in his aspect as a power, but which is nevertheless existing as a separate body in space. We may compare the Son to Christ in his aspect as a created being, and the whole depth of space may be compared to the Father. If we then see that the sun shines within the whole depth of space, and sends his heat and power everywhere, we cannot then say that within the depth of power and light of the sun is nowhere outside of the body of the sun, for if the light and substance of the sun were not everywhere, space could not receive the power and light of the sun. It requires two powers or principles of a similar nature to be receptive of each other. The depth of space contains its light, but hidden, latent. If it were the will of God, the whole depth would all be sun. Menschwerding. As the sun shines through all the external world, causing everything to become more powerful and fertile, and as nevertheless the world and the sun are, in their corporeal centers, to be distinguished from each other, so Christ, as a manifested sun, shines out of the depth of Jehovah or Jesus, in the created humanity of Christ. Jehovah is the eternal divine sun, and within that sun has been hidden to all creatures the great love son of Christ, as a heart in the center of the Holy Trinity, but by the moving of the Godhead, he has become revealed as a holy son of divine love. Stiefel The sun illumines the world, but this would not be possible if there were not within the depth a similar state of being as that which constitutes the sun. Likewise, the corporeity of Christ is all the fullness of the heavens, as a created being in the person and without the person, but both exist in one spirit and one power as one, and not in a state of duality, or as two things separated from each other. Tilk this unlimited, celestial state of being of the Redeemer is nevertheless lower than the Godhead. When the Word enters into the one pure element, the virginal matrix, it does not become separated from the Father, but remains eternally, and is everywhere present in the heaven of the element wherein it entered, and wherein it has become a new creature, called the God. This very new creature is naturally not born from the flesh and blood of the physical virgin, but of God, out of his element, the celestial virgin, and in the power of the Holy Trinity, which remains therein eternally in its fullness. But the corporeity of the element of that created being is lower than the Godhead, for the Godhead is spirit, and the holy element is born out of the word from eternity. Thus, the Lord has entered into the servant, whereof all the angels in heaven are filled with surprise. It is the greatest miracle that has occurred from all eternity, because it is against human nature, and could only have been accomplished by divine love. Three Principles the Life and Doctrines of Jacob Bohm, by Franz Hartmann, 1891. Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 3. In the very first remark made by Jesus about John the Baptist, we find him stating that he is Elias, which was for to come. This assertion, if it is not a later interpolation for the sake of having prophecy fulfilled, means again that Jesus was a capitalist, unless indeed we have to adopt the doctrine of the French spiritists and suspect him of believing in reincarnation. 
except the Kabbalistic sects of the Essenes, the Nazarenes, the disciples of Simeon ben Iochai and Hillel, neither the Orthodox Jews, nor the Galileans, believed or knew anything about the doctrine of permutation. And the Sadducees rejected even that of the resurrection. But the author of this restitutionist was Masa, our master, upon whom be peace. Who was the revolution, transmigration, of Seth and Hebel, that he might cover the nudity of his father Adam Primus, says the Kabbalah. Thus, Jesus hinting that John was the revolution or transmigration of Elias, seems to prove beyond any doubt the school to which he belonged. Until the present day, uninitiated Kabbalists and Masons believe permutation to be synonymous with transmigration and metempsychosis. But they are as much mistaken in regard to the doctrine of the true Kabbalists as to that of the Buddhists. True, the Sohar says in one place, all souls are subject to transmigration, men do not know the ways of the Holy One, blessed be He, they do not know that they are brought before the tribunal, both before they enter this world and after they quit it, and the Pharisees also held this doctrine, as Josephus shows, Antiquities, 18:13. Also, the doctrine of Gilgal, held to the strange theory of the whirling of the soul, which taught that the bodies of Jews buried far away from the Holy Land, still preserve a particle of soul which can neither rest nor quit them, until it reaches the soil of the Promised Land. And this whirling process was thought to be accomplished by the soul being conveyed back through an actual evolution of species, transmigrating from the minutest insect up to the largest animal. But this was an exoteric doctrine. We refer the reader to the Kabbalah Denudata of Henry Conrath, his language, however obscure, may yet throw some light upon the subject. But this doctrine of permutation, or revolution, must not be understood as a belief in reincarnation. That Moses was considered the transmigration of Abel and Seth, does not imply that the Kabbalists, those who were initiated at least, believe that the identical spirit of either of Adam's sons reappeared under the corporeal form of Moses. It only shows what was the mode of expression they used when hinting at one of the profoundest mysteries of the Oriental Gnosis, one of the most majestic articles of faith of the secret wisdom. It was purposely veiled so as to half conceal and half reveal the truth. It implied that Moses, like certain other godlike men, was believed to have reached the highest of all states on earth, the rarest of all psychological phenomena, the perfect union of the immortal spirit with the terrestrial do it had occurred. The Trinity was complete. A god was incarnate. But how rare such incarnations. H.P. Blavatsky That expression, ye are gods, which, to our biblical students, is a mere abstraction, has for the Kabbalists a vital significance. Each immortal spirit that sheds its radiance upon a human being is a god, the microcosmos of the macrocosmos, part and parcel of the unknown god, the first cause of which it is a direct emanation. It is possessed of all the attributes of its parent source. Among these attributes are omniscience and omnipotence. Endowed with these, but yet unable to fully manifest them while in the body, during which time they are obscured, veiled, limited by the capabilities of physical nature, the thus divinely inhabited man may tower far above his kind, evince a godlike wisdom, and display deific powers, for while the rest of mortals around him are but overshadowed by their divine self, with every chance given to them to become immortal hereafter, but no other security than their personal efforts to win the kingdom of heaven, the so-chosen man has already become an immortal while yet on earth. His prize is secured. Henceforth, he will live forever in eternal life. Not only he may have dominion over all the works of creation by employing the excellence of the name, the ineffable one, but be higher in this life, 
not, as Paul is made to say, a little lower than the angels. The ancients never entertained the sacrilegious thought that such perfected entities were incarnations of the one supreme and forever invisible God. No such profanation of the awful majesty entered into their conceptions. Moses and his antitypes and types were to them but complete men, gods on earth, for their gods, divine spirits, had entered unto their hallowed tabernacles, the purified physical bodies. The disembodied spirits of the heroes and sages were termed gods by the ancients. Hence, the accusation of polytheism and idolatry on the part of those who were the first to anthropomorphize the holiest and purest abstractions of their forefathers. The real and hidden sense of this doctrine was known to all the initiates. The Tanim imparted it to their elect ones, the Asarim, in the solemn solitudes of crypts and deserted places. It was one of the most esoteric and jealously guarded, for human nature was the same then as it is now, and the sacerdotal caste as confident as now in the supremacy of its knowledge and ambitious of ascendancy over the weaker masses, with the difference perhaps that its hierophants could prove the legitimacy of their claims and the plausibility of their doctrines, whereas now, believers must be content with blind faith. While the capitalists call this mysterious and rare occurrence of the union of spirit with the mortal charge entrusted to its care, the descent of the angel Gabriel, the latter being a kind of generic name for it, the messenger of life, and the angel Metatron, and while the Nazarenes termed the same Abel Zevo, the delegatus sent by the Lord of Salsitude, it was universally known as the anointed spirit. Thus, it is the acceptation of this doctrine which caused the Gnostics to maintain that Jesus was a man overshadowed by the Christos or messenger of life, and that his despairing cry from the cross Eloi, Eloi, Lama Savaktani, was wrung from him at the instant when he felt that this inspiring presence had finally abandoned him, for, as some affirmed, his faith had also abandoned him when on the cross. The early Nazarenes, who must be numbered among the Gnostic sects believing that Jesus was a prophet, held, nevertheless, in relation to him the same doctrine of the divine overshadowing, of certain men of God, sent for the salvation of nations, and to recall them to the path of righteousness. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 16 You are coming to a time, beloved I am students of beloved Saint Germain's family of freedom, you are coming to a time when your power will be increased, and the angelic host will be the outpouring of the sacred fire love which increases your power. But it will take your acknowledgement also, from within, as your desire to be this power flame. It takes your action from within, and hours from around you and through you, to bring this power into your outer use in a much more tangible way than you've ever had it thus far. And as you do this, you will be able to teach mankind more about the angelic host, which individuals need to learn, that they may have freedom more quickly. Now there are infinite legions of the angelic host. You have angels of the violet flame whose purifying love consumes mankind's frightful creations. You have the angels of protection. You have the angels of healing. You have legions of angels of illumination. You have angels of music, angels of inspiration, angels of such love as no words can ever convey, angels of light whose light is so bright, that which is of the sinister force can never look in its direction. These are the magnificent realms of the God power of perfection of life, the great God presence of the mighty I Am. Mankind needs to learn about the angelic host, needs to know the reality and power which the angelic host wield. 
And it would be well if more individuals understood the reality and the purpose of the angelic host's existence throughout infinity. Part of the illumination which is to come to the masses of the people can come through you if you begin to give us this acknowledgement, I am the power flame of the great angelic host. That carries illumination within it, carries wisdom, carries love and power, carries many, many gifts that the angelic host bestow. Your power flame can become the healing of the nations. Or your acknowledgement of the power flame of the angelic host become the healing presence wherever you abide to help life be free from distress. So, this one acknowledgement will open a vast vista to you of the powers of life, the powers of the angelic host, and the great opportunities that lie before you to exert your mastery, and become the presence that controls conditions wherever you abide, and raises all you contact into greater and greater perfection by a love that mankind needs to understand, but as yet, of which it is totally ignorant. Beloved Archangel Michael, From tonight, blessed ones, in the midst of the chaos of the outer world's frightful impurity, we would deeply appreciate your acknowledgement of the power flame of the angelic host, because the angelic hosts are invincible, eternal purity. And as you ask this flame, or acknowledge its presence, it will grow and grow and grow in and around you and shed its blessing and its raising activity to all you contact. And you become a sun presence in the darkness of mankind's hate, and that hate will be consumed by the light of the sacred fire power of our love. So, blessed ones, the hour is approaching when mankind is going to have to be awakened. It is going to have to be purified. It is going to have to give obedience if it is to be free. But you who have come this far in the light can have many powers to use from now on as you acknowledge the power of the angelic host. And now one more thing, I will not keep you very long. There is another activity you may have, and I'm sure will be very easy for you to use and will bring some amazing results. The messenger has constantly reminded you of the power of holding a picture, the visualizing of that which you desire. Now since the great creative word of the universe, I am, contains such power of the energy of life, God in action, God energy in action, every time you speak it, if you will hold the picture of it as living flame, gold and violet and blue and pink, ever enfolding whatever you wish to see controlled. The habit set in the consciousness as you hold this picture will draw to you very much more rapid fulfillment of your calls. And the more you see it in living flame, the more you will learn what the sacred fire is, and the power of life that it is your privilege to use. So, I trust you may go forward. Just experiment with this in the greatest joy and happiness and relaxation of quietly contemplating it, and let it do its perfect work for you and yourselves, and in and around all where you call it forth, until one day that living, flaming presence of the word I am stands in the atmosphere of earth. And its sacred fire power, revealed to the sight of mankind, will burn within the memory of life its eternal privilege of attaining perfection, manifesting freedom, and revealing the mastery that love has designed from the beginning of manifestation, and will continue unto infinity, unto eternity, unto all. Great Presence, the Beloved Mighty I Am, shed thy radiance to these, the Beloved of the Light. Reveal that word I am in living flame, and let the power flame of the love of the angelic host clothe these, the Beloved of the Light, and all under this radiation, with the power of our realm of life, with its great revealing presence, and raise and raise and raise all into that greater perfection that forever brings joy everywhere for eternity. Thank you. May the angelic host attend you, and you remember you are one with us, and our realm of life forever pours to you its boundless blessings. May you forever and forever and forever be the mastery of our love to life and the victory of our freedom from the realms of eternal perfection. Thank you with all my heart. 
Beloved Archangel Michael. Thank you.